Sermon Podcast of Pale the Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Reverend Don Lincoln. It is so good to be back. As Bruce said, I'm Don Lincoln, and um, I'm thrilled to be here with the Saints of Paoli again. I, I retired after 42 years of ministry a year ago, last July. I preached here at Paoli in January. Some of you may have been here when I was here, and, and that was the first Sunday I had preached in retirement, more than six months after I Stop. That was a long, it was a good long break. I still remembered how to, you know, get on the bicycle, if you will. But by the time I finish these four Sundays with you, assuming after today you don't disinvite me for the next three, I, um, by the time I finish my four Sundays with you, you will have succeeded in more than doubling my preaching allotment since retiring a year ago. And if that means I'm failing retirement, you can blame Pastor Jonathan and his sabbatical on, on my being here for four weeks. I am grateful that you turned the air conditioning on this Sunday. And kudos to those of you who stayed the course for Pastor Filkin's excellent sermon last week. Just a marvelous message speaking about transition and using that lovely Emmaus Road story as, as, a, as a vehicle for transition. I'm much older than Jane, and I'm not sure I would have made it through a sermon in that heat. So I'm, I'm really grateful. Bruce said it was actually chilly in here this morning. I said, thank you, Lord. It was... But I did, just in case I avoided any texts on the fires of hell, just to make sure I, I wasn't. I also avoided the texts on flooding, but that obviously had no connection to anything. The last thing I'll mention is, you know, I, I've lived in the area 23 years, and I learned of Paoli very early on. Uh, Pastor Dick Streeter was one of the first people I met in the Presbytery. Actually, interviewed me as part of the entering the entering the Presbytery's uh, arena, and I, I knew how great this congregation was. But this past week, I had lunch with one of your seminary interns from the late 1970s. He's actually the interim pastor right now at the Chestnut Hill Presbyterian Church, but he recently retired from Princeton Theological Seminary as its president, Dr. Craig Barnes. So I wanna commend you on the good work you have been doing for a long time and to have that kind of esteemed leadership trained in the life of this church. And, and Craig said, I had some of the most marvelous times in ministry when I was serving as a student at Paoli. So well done, Paoli. And some of you, there's a couple of you who might be old enough to remember when he was here. So I look forward to spending the next few weeks with you. The text I, ch I chose for today is from the Gospel of Luke. It's the 10th chapter and it's verses 38 to 42. Listen to God's word as it comes to us today and by God's spirit, a living word for us even now. Now as they went on their way, this is Jesus and his disciples, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary 
who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen a better part which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, break open your word for us this day that we might be rearranged by it for your sake and the sake of the world. Amen. So a Michigan woman was vacationing in a small New England town years ago at the same town that a a handsome actor, some of you may remember, Paul Newman, often vacationed in. And one Saturday morning, the woman got up early, took a walk, and had a lovely morning, and got home and had a craving for a double chocolate chip ice cream cone. So she hopped in the car and drove straight to the soda fountain back in the days when there were soda fountains at the drugstore in town to get an ice cream cone. As chance would have it, the only other customer in the shop that morning, Paul Newman, sitting at the counter with a cup of coffee. The woman's heart skipped a beat when her glance settled on the celebrity's baby blue eyes. Newman nodded graciously to her and starstruck woman smiled demurely. But she quickly composed herself and said, you're a mature 50-year-old woman, not a teenager. Get your act together. She turned to the counter as the store clerk filled out her order. She took the double chocolate chip ice cream cone in one hand, change from her bills in the other, and just nodded at Newman and headed for the door. Got outside to her car and realized that She had a handful of change, but the other hand was empty. So what what did I do with my double chocolate chip ice cream cone? Did I leave it in the store? So she went back in expecting the cone would either be in the clerk's hand or, or in the little holder on top of the counter. And she glanced over at Newman and his face broke into that great, big, warm smile. And he said, you uh, put the ice cream cone in your pocketbook. That's, that's what we might call distracted, distracted. As you heard today's lesson tells of another woman, Martha, who was distracted, and her sister Mary, who was sitting listening to Jesus. And the traditional interpretation of this text suggests Jesus is telling Martha that she needs to stop what she is doing, the unimportant stuff, and sit down like her sister at his feet. Indeed, Jesus commends Mary for having chosen the better portion. And some add it's, it's the timing of, of this event. Jesus is moving closer toward his crucifixion. There's a sense of urgency, perhaps, about his being in their home. He doesn't want either one of them to miss out. But maybe, maybe so. That, that works. As I was reading about this text, a colleague, Joy, Strom, in an article in Christian Century, writes this. Martha, dear Martha, you are distracted by many things. She goes on, you and I 
should know this chastisement. We understand Martha's predicament. Today's Martha could be checking texts and emails and eating lunch at the same time at a stoplight. She could be on a treadmill making tomorrow's appointments or grading papers while on the speakerphone with the family back home letting them know she'll be late this evening. She could be on a Zoom business meeting in a crowded airport juggling a watery Diet Coke and her laptop. She could have a baby on one hip, a textbook on the other for night class. She could be receiving chemotherapy on her lunch hour, desperately trying to save her job. She could be overscheduled, overbooked, and overwhelmed. Strom continues, the urgent demands of life collide with the urgent demands of the gospel. When anyone's trigger can be tripped, Martha, dear Martha, we know you well, for you are many of us. Or you are our children, or our children's children. And you and I know it, many distractions and worries abound in life. And perhaps there's good news in here, thinking Jesus maybe calls us to stop, stop what we're doing in listening. And that can certainly be good news for many of us. There is only need of one thing. But if everyone only sat at Jesus' feet, all the time, what would get done? What would ministry look like if all we did was sit around and meditate and ponder? I could, I'm a preacher, I could talk for a long time and maybe even listen a little bit too, but, but much gospel work has happened along the way over the centuries because there have been some Marthas. Think about what took place behind the scenes this morning. Musicians were warming up early. Someone turned the lights on and unlocked the doors. I'm not sure which Bruce. One of the Bruce's, I think, may have done that. Bruce did bring me a bottle of water, so if I get parched, it's here. Somebody turned the sound system on. Somebody checked the thermostat. Somebody put batteries in this wireless mic. All sort of folks were getting things ready, coffee, hot water, before worship even started. So I ask, is it, is it possible Jesus is saying something besides just stop, look, and listen? If you look at the text, you'll notice that Jesus doesn't say anything, not a single thing about food, about kitchen, about hospitality. But what he does say he uses a couple pretty strong words to say. Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. One of those words is, is a word that's used by Jesus in verses like, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and body more than clothing. Do not worry about those things. Now, it doesn't mean go around naked and hungry. It just don't, means don't get all caught up about those things. The other word used here, the word distracted, in the, in the Greek is, is the word torbazo, from which we get our word turbid, troubled, disturbed, turbid water. I saw a lot of that this morning on Route 202. 
It's the only time this word appears in Scripture. Only once, and it's here in this verse. You have the sense that it's a big, deep, kind of boisterous word. You're, Martha, you're, you're all worked up over nothing. You're really stressed out. You are, you are distracted beyond reason. Now, I know, maybe not, your, not you, but, but I know for myself, there are certainly times Jesus would use that word to describe me. Like when I'm so stirred up or anxiety ridden that, that I lose the ability to monitor myself, to, to think, to problem solve, to sleep, to stay focused on a task at hand. And we all know what that's like. Or have you ever said to someone, you seem angry. And the response is clenched fists, smoking them out of their ears, and they say, why do you think I'm angry? Worried, troubled, distracted? Is, is there perhaps another message in this text? Not that Martha is necessarily doing the wrong things, but that she's not content or at peace with what she is doing. She's become hassled and jealous and resentful, all worked up, and the gift of hospitality that she had planned to offer Jesus is no longer a gift. It's a burden, it's an obligation. Maybe Jesus isn't criticizing Martha for doing kitchen work instead of listening to him. Maybe he takes her to task for being so worried and so distracted by what she is doing and what others are not doing. But maybe even more for the less than gracious thoughts that have arisen in her heart. Maybe it's not her activity at all, it's her attitude that's arisen from the distraction. And I think Jesus hears her complaint, it's not about being overwhelmed in the kitchen, but about unfairness. Mary gets to sit at your feet and I don't. You can almost hear her whining. Tell her to help me. I, I love it. Even back then, you know, Martha's wanting to triangulate, and Jesus will have none of it. Jesus knows Martha has lost her original intent. After all, it's Martha who invited Jesus to her home in the first place. She, she's the one who asked him to come be there. It's Martha who wants to connect with Jesus. It's Martha who is seeking to do something for Jesus, who was pretty itinerant, and maybe seeking something from Jesus. But Martha's forgotten all about that. Tell Mary to help me in the kitchen. I wonder if maybe Jesus has actually seen through the, the surface of what she's saying and knows her real need. Martha, you, you are anxious and troubled, worked up by many things. Is it possible that the contrast is not between doing and listening, but between being anxious in whatever we're doing or not? Now, I would guess a couple times in 42 years of ministry, I would, I would hear folks get distracted and worried in church about church stuff. 
distracted from the real reason they're doing something at church because of what others aren't doing. I show up at every church event. Why don't they? I sing on every verse of the hymns. Why doesn't he ever open his mouth? I've been on every committee in this congregation. Why can't somebody else do their part? Distracted. Forgetting the reason we do those things is so we ourselves will grow in faithfulness and understanding of Jesus Christ, so we ourselves will be better able to love God and love neighbor in our daily walk. My guess is some of you have had this experience. Maybe you invite folks over for dinner and then you spend the, the evening running to and from the kitchen to the, to the dining room, from the fridge to the grill, the potholders, the corkscrew, getting the pie heated, getting spoons for coffee. The evening is over, you stand at the front door and say goodbye to your guests and realize that's the most conversation you've had with them the whole evening. Which wasn't what you really intended. My wife, Linda, here, would, I, I do a lot of the cooking at home. I love to. It's like, I like seeing a finished product, which is a little different than preaching sometimes. But, um, but she'll also tell you, when we have company, I get wound up. I get distracted. And sometimes it means the whole reason for the evening gets lost because I'm too worried about the stuff. And I miss really being with friends. See, friends, I, I think when our inner spirit, our attitude is distracted or worried by the work, we lose the spirit of the work's purpose. Forget that so much of what we do in life is a vehicle for feeding the, the deeper hunger within our soul or expressing that amazing grace and love that we know in our hearts. As I said in the beginning, I've always heard this interpreted, that, that, that Jesus is unhappy with Martha being in the kitchen. But Jesus never busted on Martha for getting dinner. It's only when Martha's labor of love becomes a cry of pain that Jesus questions its necessity. And I suspect, I really suspect, if, if Martha had simply gone on with her work and laid out a big spread, Jesus would have done what he always did when he went to people's homes. He would have sat down and enjoyed the meal with gusto and would have reveled in the conversation with both sisters as they both enjoyed the better portion of company with the Lord. And if Martha had done no serving at all, eventually people would have gotten hungry. And, and, and maybe perhaps Jesus himself would have headed into the kitchen and found some bread and broken it. For there's the one who knows the value of a meal. In Carrie Fisher's book, Postcards from the Edge, the main character sends a postcard home from vacation, and on the postcard she writes, having a wonderful time, wish I were here. (laughs) 
Sometimes, friends, I think we miss what God has for us because we've gotten so worried or anxious or distracted by other things along the way. We cannot see what's right in front of us. If we censure Martha too harshly, she may abandon serving altogether. And if we commend Mary too profusely, she may sit there for weeks on end. I mean, you and I know it. The reality is there is a time to go and a time to do and a time to listen and ponder and reflect. Knowing which and when and for whom at any given point in time is for each of us a regular matter of spiritual discernment. But I think, bottom line for me, the good news is in whatever our circumstance, you and I can find ourselves knowing, loving, and serving Jesus Christ. Because Jesus promises to be present with you and me in all times and places, lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. And I think that means in every single task of life, not just a little slot on Sunday morning. It just simply takes the right attitude to see and be with him, to know and celebrate his love with us in us and through us in any and everything we happen to be doing for all of life is God's gift. So, friends, don't worry. Don't get all wrought up and miss the Lord's presence with you each and every moment of every day. May it be so for us this day. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, hear our prayer. In this summer season, we give you thanks for the glory of the days, the, the warm, sometimes hot greeting of the sun, the refreshing rain when it's a little less than today, but the lush green of the hills it brings and the days of brilliant blue sky. We thank you for times of recreation and travel, for gatherings with friends and family. We're grateful for the beauty of creation and the blessings of laughter with those we love. But we also remember today, Lord, those for whom this season has brought hardship. We pray for those whose vision of blue sky is clouded by illness or despair or by threat of death. We pray for those whose homes are still threatened by fire or floods or whose lives have been affected by the weather. And we lift up those, O oh God, whose struggles of body, mind, and spirit make it impossible for them to even have the idea of vacation. We hold before you those whose family or work obligations offer little hope of even hours of respite. So we lift up to you in this moment of silence those who've been hospitalized recently from this congregation or those we know and pray for your spirit's healing presence with them as we name them quietly before you. We ask your comforting embrace for those who have lost loved ones. Grant them your promised peace and assurance of the resurrection. 
We continue to lift in prayer Pastor Jonathan on sabbatical, grant him the rest and renewal he needs and deserves and re return him to this congregation invigorated for the path ahead. And we continue to pray for the PNC of this congregation, the pastor nominating committee as they listen and learn and, and seek who it is God you have in mind for new leadership in the life of this great church. We offer our prayers in Jesus' name, the one who taught us all to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to stand and join in singing our closing hymn, number 341, Blessed Assurance.
Yep. Back in the 90s, uh, my wife Linda and I went to Belize on a mission trip. It was our honeymoon. And the mission was to have a good start to, she's here this morning making sure I still show up in church, even in retirement. We have the privilege today of, of uh, recognizing and commissioning a mission trip to Belize from this congregation, maybe slightly different than a honeymoon, who knows, but um, I'll invite, uh, I think it's Tom. Barry tells us that if we don't stand on the stage, the camera won't see us. So, <laughs> so uh, this is Gail and Ling and Danny. Uh, I'm sure you know uh, everybody. Danny has a longtime association with our church. Or he doesn't work worship regularly with us, but he has his own church. And uh, Danny has been to Belize three times. Three times. This is Ling's first trip. And Gail and I have been there a couple of times as well. Three, four. Uh, you, you see only four of us, but there are seven on this trip. Uh, Ling, I mean, uh, Dave and Sheila Straub, who are longtime leaders of our Belize ministry, I believe are in New Hampshire this morning. And the seventh member of the team is Gail and I, our grandson, who is 13 years old and goes to church in New York City. So uh, we will uh, be leaving at, from this church at 4 a.m. next Saturday morning. And we'll be returning at 1 a.m the following Sunday night, seven plus days later. Uh, we will, we haven't been to Belize since 2019, so one of our, before COVID, and one of our first priorities is to renew relationships that were warming very well before the pandemic descended, and we have to, we don't have to start over, but we have to work on renewing those relationships. We'll also be visiting a hospice program formed by a Christian doctor in Belize City, we sent some wheelchairs on our recent container for that ministry. And we'll also be visiting with our partners in a sewing ministry that trains women to sew and provides for them a sewing machine so that they can have an extra income for their family. And we sent some sewing machines on our recent container. So, and then lots of fabric too, yeah. So I think, Don, that is it. So I'm gonna pray for these folks. I invite you, if you're just you put your hand out kind of this direction. We'll lay hands on at least a couple of these people. Put a hand over there. Let you catch it. And, and, and we'll invite God's blessings upon them uh, as, they, as they take the life of Christ um, from this congregation into, into that beautiful country and grow the, the fellowship of, of believers there. Let's pray. Holy God, we pray for... Ling and Danny and Tom and Gail and, and the others who, who will join them and pray, pray an abundant blessing upon them. Uh, keep them healthy, keep them strong, keep them from being distracted by the things that invariably go a little bit awry whenever we're traveling and always mindful of the purpose 
to lift up the name of Christ, to serve neighbor, even if neighbor is far away. Bring them back uh, with stories to tell of how you blessed them through this time of service, how the people of Belize whom they seek to serve will have actually served them with hospitality and joy and wonder and stories of what you are already doing and have been doing in their lives all along. And may the fellowship grow and strengthen between this congregation and the people uh, being served and those with whom we share life as Christians and Belize. We pray all this in the strong and certain name of the one who sends us all into mission each and every day, Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessings, guys. So, don't worry. Jesus says about those things that tend to distract you. Don't get all wrought up. Don't get turbanzo. Disturbed. Don't let the turbid waters that may still show up later in the day distract you from the wonder of life, the joy of fellowship, the, the opportunity for communion with others, even as you leave this place. Um, be mindful that no matter what you are doing, whether it's kitchen work or sitting and listening, they're both necessary. And both belong to us because they're gifts from God. Don't be so distracted you miss him right in front of you. And now may the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be in with and through us all this day and every day. Amen.